Okay, who's the first disciple of Jesus? Mary. Mary. You haven't been here for the last name. Mary's the first disciple of Jesus. And Mary's life is like trail markers. The Gospels are about Jesus, but Mary shows up in the stories every so often, and we can look at her spiritual progression as she walks with Jesus. I look at her spiritual progression and I say, am I following Jesus? And if so, where might I be in my journey? Do I have the life of the Jesus follower? What we've seen over the last couple of weeks, Jesus chooses disciples and meets them. Oh, oh well. We'll see if it stays. Jesus chooses disciples and meets them at the core of their being. Second, a disciple learns caution with the power of Jesus. Third, Jesus guides his followers to a transformed identity. Nope, it's, yeah. I, think, I think it's time to buy a new one. Okay. Jesus guides his followers to a transformed identity. And what we saw last week is Jesus always does the will of the Father, but not always what his followers expect. Today, we're going to see a follower of Jesus has courageous faith. And courageous faith, I'm defining as praying and obeying boldly. A follower of Jesus has so if it is praying and obeying boldly, let's begin with prayer as we go to the Word of God. Jesus, today you, we know you are with us by your Spirit, and that your Spirit is who illumines us to all things. We pray that we see in your Word today what we need for life and godliness. And we ask this confidently in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So what is boldness? Boldness is not just loudness. Boldness is not just personality, force of personality. Boldness is not just being a bully. What boldness is, is confidence. Boldness is assurance. Boldness is strength in my life. It doesn't matter how loud or soft I am, I can still be bold. So let's take a look at our scriptures today. We are going to be in John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, They don't have any wine. What has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? Jesus asked. My hour has not yet come. If you're following along in the bulletin or our new version, our first point is we all fall short. We all fall short. This is taking place on the third day, John writes. And we don't know exactly which third day it is. It could be the third day of the wedding feast. Because a wedding feast could be a celebration that lasted a whole week at this time. So it could be the third day of the wedding feast. Or it also could be the third day of Jesus gathering disciples. 
If we go back in uh, the Gospel of John, in chapter 1, Jesus is baptized, and then John twice, he's baptized in John 1, 29, and then in verse 35 and 46, they both say, and then the next day, and the next day. So, he's been gathering disciples for three days. And this is the third day. It doesn't matter whether it's the third day of the wedding feast or the third day of him gathering disciples or both. The point is, on the third day, Jesus is going to do something important. Jesus mentions that a lot, that on the third day, he's going to do something important. In April, we're going to remember that Jesus does something important on the third day. And I think that's what John's whole point is. It says, there's a wedding in Cana of Galilee. This is a small town. It's a small town today. It was a small town then. When I went to Israel, I went through Cana of Galilee. It's on the way in the mountains up to Nazareth. I was expecting the tour bus to stop. Because our tour guide said, this is Cana of Galilee where Jesus did his first miracle. And we just kept right on trucking up the mountain. Because it's such a small town, there's really no place for a tour bus to stop. So, this would not be a big wedding. There's just not enough people there. And we know that Mary is invited, so she's there. And it says, Jesus and his disciples are invited as well. So, Jesus and his disciples probably weren't initially invited. Jesus and his disciples don't live in Cana. He had been hit, gathering his disciples around the Jordan. And he apparently came home. And so, his mom's going to this wedding. And so, they, it's just hospitality. Yeah, your son can come too. Oh, and he's got disciples? Well, they can come too. But this is a small wedding. And now Jesus has just showed up with like 12 big guys. And the wine at the wedding runs out. And this is not just their celebratory drink. This is their drink of the times. See, wine was always clean. Water was not. So they generally drink wine and they have fallen short. It's only day three. See, click that video. Falling short. <laughs> cats sometimes just don't make it. It's funny when cats take a really long time, but you can go on YouTube and see a lot of videos. The cats will get in their position, pounce position, and shake their rumps and twitch their tails. And they still like don't even come close because they slip or something like that. And here's what's happened at this wedding. They've just fallen short. We don't have enough. There's no total wine in Cana of Galilee. And so Mary tells Jesus they don't have any wine. And Jesus' reply, it's not rude. He actually understands that Mary is very concerned about the situation. And he's kind of questioning why she's coming to him. And I think 
He knows why, but he wants to make sure she knows why. Why are you coming to me? What's the possibilities? Well, one possibility could be blame. You know, Jesus, they wouldn't have run out of wine if you hadn't brought all these guys to the wedding. Or she could be coming in faith. She knows Jesus also cares about people and he can do something. So when Jesus says, my time has not yet come, he says, I'm not going to do what you might expect. You know I can do something, but I'm not going to do what you might expect. You know, when I come up short in life, do I blame or do I make a move in faith? Sometimes there is someone to blame. Sometimes I'm to blame. If I made the choice and I messed something up, I'm to blame. If I, if six years ago, when I first came to this church and my family, if I had all the experience now, or had the experience that I have now back then, I probably would have made some different choices. I take the blame on that. I would have made some different leadership decisions. And sometimes, someone else is to blame. We're doing some fixing of the plumbing at the parsonage. I didn't put that plumbing in. But I'm fixing it now. I'm not to blame. So while we do need to take responsibility for our choices and our actions, the assigning blame doesn't move us forward at all. The Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's saying, there's plenty of blame to go around. Blame's not the problem or the solution. I don't need to find someone to blame. I need to find someone with the life and strength to fix the situation. Someone who never falls short. That's why a follower of Jesus has courageous faith in Jesus. He's the one who never falls short of the glory of God. Verse 5. Mary says, Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief servant. And they did. We can all have faith. Remember, Jesus is always good. He always does the will of the Father. But Jesus doesn't always do what I expect. And Mary doesn't seem to have expectations on what Jesus will do. She just knows Jesus can do. She expects that he will do. So she tells the servants, do whatever he says. I don't know what he's going to tell you to do. Just do it. What we've just seen with Mary 
as she approaches Jesus is a courageous prayer. And it's different than how I pray or maybe you pray sometimes. She didn't ask Jesus for anything. Now there's nothing inherently wrong with asking. The Psalms and other biblical prayers say we should ask. But she doesn't ask in this case. She just let Jesus know the problem. And then she told other people in the situation to obey Jesus. Courageous faith in Jesus. <clears throat> Pray and obey. That's courageous faith in Jesus. What do they have? They have six huge empty water jugs there. I tried to find one. I didn't want to buy one just for one day. You know, a five-gallon Alhambra water jug. We've all seen those. There's a picture of one up there. Those hold five gallons. These water jugs are there hold 20 to 30 gallons. And these are not drinking water jugs, which would be, or buckets would be much smaller. These are for cleansing. So they're not even necessarily for drinking water. You say, well, what's the difference? If it's clean, it's clean, right? No. Think about this. When, when I did mission trip to Mexico and Uganda, we showered in the water, but they told us to drink bottled water. It was clean enough for purification, but it wasn't clean enough to drink. That's what these have been used for. And Jesus tells the servants to fill those 20 to 30 gallon jugs with water. And he doesn't tell them where to get the water from, or even how much to fill it. Now, we know there has to be some water sourced somewhere fairly nearby. They wouldn't store these huge jugs there if there wasn't the water source reasonably close by. But this is not something that could be done in secret. Because, unlike our modern water jugs, these are made of pottery, and they're big, and they're heavy, so if the servants are going to take the jugs to the water, it's going to take several of them to carry these things and move them around. And if they're bringing water to the jugs, people are going to see these lines of people going out and getting water and coming back in. It's going to take time to fill them. One gallon of water is 8.34 pounds. So, filled just of water is somewhere between 167 to 250 pounds each. That's not including the weight of the jug. Okay, this is not a secret miracle. Not everybody knows what's going on, but a lot of people are seeing something's going on. The faith Mary showed is now the faith the servants show, because they're the ones that fill the jugs, and they fill them up to the brim, right up to the top. And then Jesus says to them, Now draw out some and take it to the chief servant. And they did. Now this is interesting. 
from the outside point of view, what Jesus had just told them is, let the guests drink water. Well, that's not how I want you to solve a miracle, Jesus. See, not everybody at the wedding knows, but at a minimum, we know that Jesus' disciples are watching this play out as well. Because John has it recorded for us. The servants obeyed Jesus, even though they might not have understood what was going to happen. Just fill it up with water, spoon it out. Everyone can have faith. Whether you're the first disciple of Jesus, some servant now. Now, just this last week, we came home from school and daycare about the girls' home, and, and Jennifer made some chicken nuggets for the kids' dad because we were had things to do that evening, so it was real quick. Well, Elizabeth didn't want to eat. She probably had a snack at daycare, and so her first full sentence that she, when she was speaking full sentences, was, can I have, like, you know, probably heard this morning, can I have cookie? Well, this time she said, I, can I watch Super Y? She didn't want to eat dinner. So I was like, fine. Me and her sat on the couch and started watching Super Y, and, and uh, Sophia and her friend, they started eating chicken nuggets. And then Jennifer said, Hey, girls, do you want chips? And Elizabeth stopped watching TV, and she turned to me, and she was just this close to crying. Can I have chips? I said, yes, you can have chips. If you go in the kitchen and eat. And so Super Y was done. She hopped off the couch and went to the table and she ate chicken nuggets and chips and she dipped everything in barbecue sauce. <laughs> she asked and obeyed. The question today is not can I have chips, but can I have faith? Yes. Mark 9, 23 and 24. And then it's come to Jesus and he has already asked his disciples to cast the demon out of his son and they couldn't do it. And he asked Jesus, well, can you do it? And Jesus said to him, if I can, all things are possible for the person who believes. And immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, but I don't believe. And that's where we are lots of times when we pray. I believe. I, I wouldn't be praying if I didn't believe, but help my unbelief. And you know, God meets us there. Jesus not only healed that man's son, but when we think of salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Okay, what's the gift of God? Well, salvation, but also the faith. 
God says, I'll give you the faith. See, a true follower of Jesus has courageous faith in Jesus. So how does this miracle end up? Verse 9 from John 2. The chief servant tasted the water after it had become wine. He did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the groom and told him, Everyone sets out the fine wine first, then, after the people have drunk freely, the inferior. But you have kept the fine wine until now. Jesus performed this first sign in Cana of Galilee. He displayed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum together with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and he stayed there for a few days. We can all be filled. We can all be filled. John writes something very interesting about how he sees this chief servant taking a drink. He says, when the chief servant tasted the water, after it become wine, that confused me for a while. Why does John call the drink water if it had already become wine? Remember I said the disciples are watching this play out? They saw water get put in the jugs. And the jugs are not clear plastic or glass. Neither is the cup that they take to the chief servant. They saw wine put in the jugs, and they saw a cup taken out. So from John's perspective, all he knew that was there was water. So John is seeing them take water to the chief servant. It's only afterwards they know, oh, that had already been turned to wine. This is still water. But the servant knew. The servant who took it, he was filled in his person because he saw the water become wine. The chief servant was filled. He drank the wine and said, This is the best. And apparently they had gallons and gallons and gallons of it. He praises the groom for overturning tradition and bringing out the good wine later. The boy, I was smart. That was very cool of you guys. And it says the disciples are filled with faith. See, previously the disciples had followed Jesus because of the testimony of John the Baptist, who had said, Behold the Lamb of God. He's greater than I am. And John said, I saw the Spirit descend on him. And so they followed, they were followers of John, and they became followers of Jesus. But now they have their own eyewitness testimony. And on the third day, they are filled with belief. I think we're going to see that again. Let's watch somebody else filled with belief. Real quick. Dip your frying egg. I promise you, dip it egg is going to change your life. <laughs> Stop being skeptical. Dip it in. Mm-hmm. Taste that thing. Mm-hmm. 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 Daddy you know what he's talking about, don't he? Can I get a fried egg? Mm-hmm. 
said, don't be so skeptical. This is going to change your life. Let me tell you, this is going to change your life. Pray and obey. The follower of Jesus has courageous faith in Jesus. Now, earlier we read the story of the prodigal son. He had no expectation of his father's forgiveness. He just knew his father could do something. So he came and asked for forgiveness, and his father restored him as a beloved son. The first step of courageous faith is to ask Jesus to forgive my sins and to rule my life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 puts it this way. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you've already done that, if I'm already bold enough to have asked Jesus to forgive my sins, there's no reason why I shouldn't be bold enough to ask him to do something so that others will believe. So let's pray and obey. Let's pray. Psalm 32. Blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven, whose transgressions are covered. Blessed is the person whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is in no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and you did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct and teach others in the way they should go. I will counsel with my loving eye on you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts him. So let us rejoice in the Lord and be glad, be righteous, and sing all you who are upright in heart. Amen.